Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Today, we play our weekly interview with Vanderbilt quarterback Ken Seals, so let's get right to that. We check in with Ken Seals on our weekly podcast. Ken, good grief, it's less than a week from game day. It is six days as we do this tonight on Sunday night. You will be playing a game on Saturday. The next time we talk to you on the podcast, you'll have that under your belt. Do you spend a lot of time counting down to kick off? Do you do you spend any time in the offseason just going, hey, it's 50-something days to, to kick <laughs> off or, or whatever? No fans do that, but how do players look at it? Yeah, uh, and I'll just say this: like it's it's it very weird, interesting feelings I'm having knowing that I play in six days. So, it's um it's definitely getting down to the wire. But I know in my room I actually have a whiteboard, like a little grease board that I have uh, hung up on my wall, and um I it was kind of something I started last year, uh, and I guess kept the tradition going this year ever since. Um, the hundred day mark i've been counting down the days till this game so right now the board says six and right before i go to bed i'll change it to five so that's uh, been how i've been keeping track of the days how do you think the freshmen feel it's their first time to play a college game period do they have that same excitement and enthusiasm yeah i i mean you know knowing how my freshman experience went i expect them to i think um there's a lot of uh, uncertainty that goes along with that excitement, you know. So, you know, they've never experienced games at this large of a scale. And honestly, like, it'll be there's a little bit of uh, uncertainty for me, too. Like, I have no idea what to expect, especially as far as, like, turnouts for the crowd, you know, how it will look at the end of the season, what a, away games will look like now with fans. So, I mean, I think, you know, I've had a little bit more of an acclimation to it. But I'm sure those freshmen, you know, the wheels are spinning in their heads about what what it could look like for them. And I know it's an exciting time, so I hope uh, they soak it in, they enjoy it. But, I mean, everyone's excited. So, Do you remember your first play in college? What was that like when you left the sideline, trotted out on the field, you know, called, <laughs> yeah. called the signals, all the things that go with that? Do you, do you remember that play and what was that like? Yeah, it was, um, <laughs> you know, Coach Fitch had told me several times how – he wanted to ease me into the game, you know, kind of get uh, get me a little momentum, get me, um, you know, rolled into it, not drop back pass, you know, trying to throw it deep on play one, you know, take a shot or whatever. The first play, you know, we get it. It's like some base play that we've ran since day one. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, very weird breaking the huddle. And uh, every, you know, you break the huddle and take the field, and then everyone starts cheering, you know, because it's the first play of the game. And, you know, at A&M, there's only, you know, 30,000 people there who, you know, obviously everyone was like, there had to be more. Like, there's no way it was 30,000. You know, I've heard coaches say that that was at least 50. But, you know, by the numbers, it says like 33, I think. But you walk out into the middle of the field and it's like, holy smokes, it's it's a it's a weird experience. And the first play was actually a run to the right. And uh, I had to like sprint off, like fake the bootleg or something after I handed it off. And uh, because we were in the pistol and uh, after I handed the ball off, I kind of like slipped and stumbled out of my way, like on the fake. 
and I took, I'm like, Whoa, I'm like, I better calm down. <laughs> like, I must be a little nervous because that's never happened. But um, I eventually, you know, had the first pass swatted at the line of scrimmage and the rest of the game went how it went. But, uh, yeah, I do, I do remember specifically stumbling on my first play. Does it get easier after you've taken your first snap? Does it get easier in game two and three and four? Um, I think uh, the beginnings are still, like, very nerve-wracking. Like, even whenever I was in, you know, fifth and sixth grade, going through middle school and high school, I was always I always get really nervous before games. I'm I don't I'm not one of those guys that throws up or anything, but I get butterflies and those butterflies aren't, you know, a very comfortable feeling for me. Um but I think, you know, as the season went on last year, the butterflies went away a little quicker. And usually the way I get them to get out of my stomach is just taking off and running with the ball and like trying to find someone to hit. Like once once I get my first hit out of the way, there's no more butterflies. Like we're good after that. But, you know, if, you know, there's no runs or anything, it takes me maybe like a full drive almost uh, to get them to go away. And you can kind of sit on the sidelines like, all right, you know, it wasn't so bad. You made it out alive, you know. And um, I think you get used to the feeling eventually and you can get over those a little bit quicker. You know, you're not taking them with you after play three or four. But, um, yeah, I do tend to get, you know, a little nervous sometimes. Does every player go through that, or are there any players that are just unfazed by it at all? I mean, I would think that that's something that everybody mm-hmm. goes through, regardless of age or situation or anything like that. And I've talked to a lot of quarterbacks about it, too, you know, about do you get nervous, like, before games? And from from what I've heard, and everyone that I've talked to, they've always said, yeah. Like, there's nothing you can do to get nerves out of the way. Um, you want to have a little bit of nervousness. I think, you know, the times that I didn't feel nervous, like I wasn't like on a little bit on edge before the game. I didn't really start the game the way I wanted to. Um, it was it was almost like you're not you're not locked into the game. You're not like giving it your full attention because if you were, like you'd have a, you'd understand like the magnitude of the task that you're about to go out and try and accomplish, and you'd have a little bit of nervousness to you. But I think you know, guys. I don't I don't know if anyone doesn't actually. I. I'd like to believe that no one does, um, at least consistently. Maybe like an off game or two, someone will be like, yeah, you know, I just wasn't nervous for this one. I just wanted to get out there and play. Um, I, I, I don't think anyone has, you know, a mindset. They're just kind of like, ah, you know, the game started, so I guess I'll go out there. So, Well, I'll tell you who's locked in, and that's a fan base. They've got a ton of questions for you tonight, so <laughs> let's go ahead and go there if you're ready. Yeah, let's get to it. All right. Our mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in any type of accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200 see what your rights are and if they can help. Murray Harris asks a really good one. What's your pregame routine from the time you enter the locker room until you go out for warm-ups? Yeah, that is a good one. So I'm actually still figuring that out. So my uh, my pregame routine, I've always kind of like been a very non-superstitious guy. So I've never really had something that I've always done or like, you know, a favorite pair of underwear that I wore before a game. You know, it was, it was never really anything like that. I listened to my same music that I've been listening to since junior year of high school. Um uh, it's not, you know, I don't listen to like rap or, you know, anything that'll get me pumped up. It's kind of like 
almost like groovy music, like music I want to dance to. It's, um, you know, like Red Hot Chili Peppers or something, you know, just like weird stuff like that. And it's just kind of like something to like almost remind me that like I'm having fun, like don't get too intense, like be loose. That's when you play your best. So um, I, I do listen to music. There was, you know, sometimes in games I didn't even bring my headphones because I just didn't want to listen to any music or I wanted to be in silence. So it kind of like changes. Um, I don't really have something that I've always stuck to or done every time but uh we have you know a mental performance coach now and one big thing that she talks about is like the habit of building routines and like how helpful that can be for athletes you know that you know michael phelps goes up and does the same routine in practice every time before he gets out and jumps into the water which is the same routine he does you know going into the olympics and it's something I'm looking into. Uh, I want to build a routine a little bit that, you know, I can accumulate some small wins, you know, before a game, Uh, you know, just something to like build a habit because, you know, obviously we're talking about it a lot. So um, I'm interested in building in it, but I actually don't have any (laughs) that I've uh, consistently done. So that's a good question though. So you don't have a, a playlist or anything. You just, sometimes you pop in the music. Sometimes you don't, you don't have particular songs that you listen to. Yeah, I uh, here. Let's pull up the playlist. Actually. Oh, you do have a it's, playlist, okay? Yeah, it, and like it's it's like the little groovy music. Uh, uh, <laughs> here, it's uh, yeah, it's weird. Just to remind myself, you know that it's uh, it's not serious. I'm having fun. Um, yeah, you got. I mean, there's some stuff here like uh, Seven Nations Army. Yeah. Uh, Dead or Alive by Jazz Cartier. Uh, Paralyzer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then other stuff, uh, Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand, uh, Can't Hold Us, Macklemore, uh, Money in the Grave. You know, this is all stuff that's, you know, old. Um, God's Country by Blake Shelton, Can't Stop, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, <laughs> and it's not a very big playlist. It says there's 20 songs that last about an hour and 10 minutes. So sometimes I'll <laughs> get through it pretty quick and uh, have nothing else to listen to. So I just restart it or just pick songs as they go. Um, there's one song that I have in here is called Cite Vena de Contar. I don't know if any of that, what I said in Spanish was, you know, not allowed to be said. So <laughs> I'm, I don't know what the song is about or what it's saying, <laughs> but it's just kind of a song that, you know, I don't understand at all, but I like grooving to uh, Follow God, Kanye West, um, a couple other songs by Andy Minio. I kind of like. A little bit of Christian rap too. My quarterback coach Ryan Roberts put me on that, so there's a little bit of every genre in there. Now that I'm looking at it, <laughs> now you don't take headphones or earpods or anything onto the field, do you? Um, no, no, I do not. Okay, I, I, that's probably forbidden by your coaches, I would think. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, don't I, I see. You know, now I'm thinking about. It, I see NFL players do it sometimes. They'll have like little Bose headphones and their sponsored ads or whatever. Um, but I don't, I don't know if there's even time for us to go out in the field with headphones. Maybe like whenever we're walking, like I know whenever we go from our hotel to the locker room, we walk through the stadium and onto the field and uh, we'll have our uh, headphones in for that and stuff. But other than that, you know, never really ever. Dorking wants to know what's a typical game day like and what's your favorite pregame meal? Yeah, so whenever we have our pregame meals, uh, I try and stick to something light. I like to play hungry. I don't like feeling 
full, you know, or like slow, I guess. That's kind of how my mind, you know, takes it. You know, I feel slow whenever I'm full or heavy or something like that. But um, I usually try and eat like a salad or something. I'll get like ranch and a thousand hours dressing and I make myself a little salad. Uh, just, you know, something that isn't, you know, I, I, you know, my nutritionist is talking to me about that, about how, you know, maybe the salad doesn't digest as well as a normal carbs like uh, pasta or rice or something like that. But, you know, I, I just like to feel a little bit hungry. You know, it, it almost makes me feel like I can move a little better and uh, be quicker on my feet. Um, but, you know, other than that, I just like to I like to eat a lot of carbs earlier on in the day um, and especially like the night before um, just to like make sure my energy is going to stay up like I'm not feeling you know sleepy or tired during the game or before the game like you know that, that's how you get kind of your long-term energy and i uh, usually like to drink pedialytes they'll have pedialytes there for us so i uh, i just like the way they taste i'm not worried about cramping or anything you know i'm not in a super uh, exhaustive position but uh <laughs> i like having me a little pedialyte before the game bear 8000 asked did you have a good strength program in high school and did you come to Vanderbilt as strong and heavy as you wanted to? And then I asked, how much strength have you gained since arriving on campus? And how much more size and strength would you like to gain, if any? Yeah, I, I think in high school, you know, especially, you know, you talk about Texas high school football. I think the strength programs there are you know, obviously better than what a lot of states do. I started lifting whenever I was in seventh grade. And I'll tell some, you know, teammates on my team that they're like, there's no way – I even touched the weight until I was like a sophomore and uh, it, it, that blows my mind. You know, there's the other guys that are from Texas that are on the team here. Are like, yeah, you know, we're the same way, you know, you have athletics period and, you know, middle school and you go into high school and you have, you know, your football periods during the day that, you know, whether you have a first, first class of the day or last class of the day, you know, depends on whether you have morning or afternoon practices. So I think, you know, strength training, especially in Texas and where I was from playing six day football, was very big uh, our strength coach uh, coach zimmer was uh, i thought very good and very knowledgeable about what he what he was doing and he had a really good uh, regiment uh and program for us i think you know i wasn't you know putting up crazy numbers or anything whenever i was in high school but you know i figure i was decently strong you know i'm trying to think of a couple of my lifts and i was you know whenever i think about my senior year i probably um i think i squatted like 365 my power clean was really good i had like a 275 power clean um i benched um i think like 280 275 something around there um so it, it was you know we did our core lifts like you know bench incline um power clean and uh, squat and uh, we measured those like two or three times a year um and i'd say whenever i got to vanderbilt that i was probably at the felt like at the same strength level as a lot of my teammates you know they obviously play different positions like o-line you know linebackers but i feel like you know i definitely you know as a quarterback was not slacking at all i think you know when my max is now i could probably squat oh man i don't want to say something wrong but probably like a 430 um i have no clue what my bench is i honestly don't even have an exact guess they don't really try and push me too hard at bench just because of you know the position i play um and we don't really do power cleans either uh, there's no like uh, explosive ground movement that we'll do as far as like when it comes to theoretical maxes for power cleans but i definitely feel like i've um especially my size has gotten a lot stronger i was you know 
probably like right at 200 or, you know, 205 uh, whenever I was in high school. Um, I think I came into Vanderbilt uh, weighing about 210, but I know I had, you know, tried to like bulk up a little bit before I got to college. And so I was probably a little bit of a softer 210. Um, and now I'm kind of leaned out, I feel like, and I'm weighing around 220 to 225. Uh, and we weigh every day before practice to try and see how much water weight we'll lose. And um, that, that's interesting to see, too. I, I, I would nev- never have guessed how much water weight I lose during a practice, but it's around like six to eight pounds every day. And there's some, some of my teammates, they'd say they'll lose like 12 to 15 pounds of just water weight in like the two to three hour practices that we have. And uh, it, it's absolutely insane that you can lose that much in practice. But um, I think, you know, where I'm at now, I feel good. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to like performance wise being heavier, I don't know if I need to be, you know, obviously, you know, you, you, I can always be stronger, you know, have a stronger base and platform to throw off of. But my position, you know, <laughs> just look at, you know, the other guys that are elite performers at what I do, it's not like they're you know, bulked out or lifting, you know, five times a week or anything, they, you know, maximize what they need to be good at. And that's, you know, footwork, that's having quick feet and that's their mind. But, you know, for me personally, I, I enjoy lifting and I uh, like looking the part, I like looking like a football player. So I think that's kind of my motivation to work out. Um, So maybe, you know, I might try and get a little heavier. Who knows? Maybe I'll hit 230 that'd be that'd be cool if i could be a lean 230 and still run and move fast i think that would probably be ideally where i'd want to be how much liquid do you drink during a typical day of fall camp i know you get probably (laughs) some water from your diet you know from salads and things but how much liquid do you physically drink every day do you do you keep a, a bottle with you how do you manage that yeah so we have like a little those little gatorade squeeze bottles uh where they gave us everyone on the team one of those um, I'll drink one of those before breakfast, one of those after breakfast. Uh, I'll carry one around in between, you know, breakfast and lunch. Um, we're told to get about a gallon and a half of water outside of practice. So I don't know. I honestly have no idea how much I would drink during practice, but a gallon and a half would be what I have to get outside of that two to three hours. Wow. That's a lot of water. Yeah, I actually have gained like a significant amount of weight since like fall camp started just because of all the water weight that I'm retaining. I think I gained like something like five pounds just in water weight since fall camp started. I think summers are so hot. It's like that your body just knows like I'd better retain some some moisture because I'm going (laughs) to need it later. Right. Yeah. And especially this summer. Holy smokes. It feels like this has been like some of the hottest times that I've played football in, like even being from Texas, like this heat has been killing me. Oh, I, I went out today to to play ball with my son and just, just soft tossing, sitting in the sun and the humidity. Of course, it's like, you know, it's like 149% humidity right now with, with the yeah. rain we've been getting and stuff. So, I mean, just, just sitting there, just underhand tossing in baseballs. I'm, I'm sweating, you know, and I'm barely moving. It's just been that hot lightly around yeah. here yeah absolutely i think even today was really bad we went and uh, watched some of the soccer games up at the stadium and i'm sitting in the bleachers and i'm like this is the time that we practice like this is not right for it to be this hot vanderlee asks do you enjoy recruiting recruits and 
uh, tell us about your recruiting story and your process yourself there. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. It's it's a little interesting for me to try and recruit quarterbacks but I think once I get over that and I talk to the guys for long enough like they're actually pretty cool I know I met Drew Dickey this uh over the summer and uh, me and him got to meet actually several times and uh, he's actually a cool guy and uh, I enjoy hanging out with him but you know when it comes to like reaching out to guys and texting it's um you know it, it can be like a little much or you can I guess come off or seem like you're being uh, unauthentic you know and I don't like that I don't like I don't like feeling like I'm being fake at all. So um, the recruiting side, you know, I could live without. And uh, as far as my recruiting experience, I know the old staff at Vanderbilt, the guys that recruited me were obviously Coach Mason and then uh, Coach Godowski and Coach Moorhead, the receivers coach. And uh, everyone loved Coach Moorhead. He was he was a great guy. He's a receiver coach at Philadelphia now, and uh, he did a great job. And all the receivers loved him. We called him Amo. And uh, – you know, I like Coach Gadowski too. Um, he was, uh, I met with him a couple times. Um, I got my offer from Vanderbilt after coming to a summer camp. Um, I hadn't, I don't think I had had any previous connection or contact from Vanderbilt until I got to the camp and um, got my first SEC offer there in uh, Coach Mason's office. And yeah, I was totally not expecting it, but uh, it was, it was really cool. And um, after that, uh, offer came and I went back home from the camp. Um, I was getting texts. It seemed like every day from uh, Coach Moorhead, Coach Kodowski, um the running backs coach, uh, Coach Horton. Um, they would. I mean, Vanderbilt was on my phone more than any any other school by far. It wasn't even close. So a big thing for me, you know, was I wanted to go somewhere where I felt like uh, I w- I was wanted. You know, I wanted to go somewhere where. People were going to, you know, obviously, I guess, be happy that I was going there. You know, I just didn't want to be, you know, another guy on, you know, not not that I'm, you know, trying to be the main attraction of the team or anything. But, you know, you want to go where you feel like you have a chance to be liked and, you know, the coaching staff is excited about you and, you know, you can have a chance to play. You know, it was worked out whenever I got here that the entire quarterback room was going through a change and. There was no one from the last team that was there whenever I got there. Me, Musa were me, Musa and Jack Bowen uh, were the only quarterbacks there for my first spring. And then 
Mike and Danny Clark, and which you know I I almost forgot about Danny Clark, uh, had gotten there in the fall after we all got back from uh, our little COVID vacation. So uh, it was it was completely new quarterback room, and none of us had uh, been a part of Vanderbilt before. So we were all figured it out as we went starting from you know the same spot and uh that was a that was a fun quarterback competition like there was a mix of you know old guys young guys you know guys that had different playing styles a um, couple of transfers like high school guys and uh it was it was very like i'd say very competitive and uh it was good good competition and um but you know that's kind of going off in a tangent, but I think, you know, for my recruiting processes, I was just looking for somewhere that, you know, I wanted to play for someone who wanted me, you know, it's, I think a lot of times guys try and go to their, you know, top school, you know, or the best offer that they have or their dream school or something like that, you know, and a lot of times that's not the best fit for you like that, even though like you might've like seen yourself playing there and, as a little kid, you watch their games, you know, what wore their jerseys or whatever, you know, uh, you know, and this is the part that sucks about recruiting, but a lot of times, you know, their system might not match you or, you know, they have other players already at that position that, uh, and they, you really don't have a chance to compete against for a couple of years. And I think that's a mistake a lot of kids make. And, um, you know, I think that's what brought me to Tennessee and to Vanderbilt was the fact that, you know, I felt like I was going to have a chance to get on the field. I felt like the coaching staff was excited about me. Um, and I really like Coach Mason and his guys. They brought, you know, the energy for sure whenever they saw me. And uh, they were just good people is what I felt like. And I think, obviously, you know, uh, at the time I thought I made the right decision. But after going through it now, I think, obviously, Vanderbilt was where I'm supposed to be and uh, where I was always supposed to end up. So when you came up for that visit, was that just like, that's just one on a series of schools that, you know, you were going through camps and, you know, were you just thinking, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go to this one and this one and this one and, and not thinking much about it at all. Cause you talked about being surprised to get your offer. So I'm just wondering, you know, think back to when you were arranging that visit and driving up or flying up or whichever it is yeah. that you did. Uh, were you thinking, Hey, Vanderbilt might be the place that, that I land or was it just at that point, you're just doing your diligence? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I I thought that I could have been um, high, more highly ranked. You know, everyone tells you not worried about stars and stuff. I feel like I could have been high more. I don't even know what the right term to use is in English. High, more highly ranked uh, <laughs> than a lot of the other guys in my position or in my state um, at the time. So whenever I was going through my whole camp circuit, I was we. My dad, you know, obviously grabbed the wheel and was like, all right, we're, we're going to hit everything we possibly can. And I think it was something like 20 football camps we went to over the course of, uh, uh, June and July. And, um, I'd have to look at the map. I can't remember where all we were going to or coming from, but, um, yeah, Vanderbilt just kind of ended up on the map. And I know at the time we, you know, we knew obviously Vanderbilt was sec school and, uh, hadn't done, you know, much research other than that. Um, the first connection we had actually, now that I'm thinking about it was through, uh, my, uh, seven on seven team that I played for in Dallas. Uh, we were called true buzz and we went on a, uh, um, unofficial visit together to Vanderbilt as a team. And coach Mason came and talked to us and, uh, 
that was the first time I had ever been to Vanderbilt. And then we went up and uh, came up there for the camp. So um, after, yeah, after that, okay, now, now it's coming back to me. So we went with the True Buzz team, uh, went and met all the coaches there. Um, didn't, didn't talk to them uh, after that, like text or anything. Came up to the, the place for camp since we had already been there on the unofficial visit. You know, we let the coaches know. We emailed all of them like we did for other schools. It was like, hey, you know, I'm coming up to your camp. Really excited to meet you. Uh, here's my highlights, you know, stats, different things like that. Just, you know, you know, you never want to go to a football camp and you know the coaches to know you're coming. So we tried to let them know that who I was, you know, so they can like check me out. You know, maybe if there's obviously camps always, you know, whenever you go there, they have, you know, they're more important recruits grouped together. So, you know, they're not running all over the place trying to find everyone to check them out. Uh, and then, you know, all the other guys that are campers, you know, will go over there. <laughs> so. The, the biggest fear as a quarterback is to get grouped with the campers. <laughs> you don't you don't want that to happen. You want to be part of the elite group that's uh, getting actually getting scouted. So just making sure that I was a part of that group. I let them know I was coming and uh, had a good camp. I you know don't remember exactly what all happened, but uh, I remember feeling good afterwards. And uh, Coach Kudasik came up to me, um, said he really liked me, asked me to stay around afterwards. Coach Mason wanted to talk. So I waited outside his office for a little bit. He brought me in, and um, it was me and my mom. And uh, he offered me a scholarship right there and uh, took a picture with him, uh, posted about it, you know, as it goes. All glory to God, bless to receive an offer. You know, the stereotypical uh, tweet that you post after getting an offer. But, um, yeah, at the time, it was just kind of something that I guess not a whole, whole lot of thought went into it. But uh after i got the offer you know me and my parents started thinking about it like yeah like we could definitely see this happening like playing in the sec you know against good competition uh getting the education was obviously you know it's not obviously not coming here for you know academic reasons you know you come here to play football and to be competitive and you know, to win but you know getting an education obviously was at the time like very like important to me and my family because you know we'd always been big on education in high school too so after thinking about it for a while we're like this is like what fits me like this is this is where i should i need to be and so i committed before my senior season and uh haven't looked back since now when did you announce your commitment did you did you put on there somewhere respect my decision like everyone else does <laughs> no I, that i think the respect my decision comes after your decommit i think that's what it is that's that's when yeah. you you have decommitted or done something that makes somebody mad and yeah you don't want to talk yeah. to anybody so it's like yeah don't don't give me your opinion respect my decision right yeah. right i i didn't remember respect my decision out of out of you so <laughs> no i did not thank goodness too <laughs> Right. Uh, Columbiano Door says, and I'm, I'm 99% sure I know this answer. Uh, is there any planning done this week concerning Colorado State or Stanford, or is it strictly ETSU? Yeah, we do. We, um, we've actually looked at all three. Um, and that was really just for fall camp, you know, uh, going over like mock game plans, you know, different things like that, saying like, all right, today, you know, we're about to play you know, Colorado State or whatever. Um, but now that we're into the ETSU week, there is absolutely like no deviation from we're getting ready for East Tennessee. But uh, actually, we did do uh, some, I wouldn't say scouting, but uh, I guess some like preparation 
for uh, Colorado State and Stanford, um, which was interesting to me. You know, I uh, honestly didn't know uh, that was going to happen during uh, fall camp. Um, and I wouldn't say it was very intensive at all. I, I honestly couldn't tell you much about either of the teams um, just from what little we did about them. But um, we, you know, whenever we ran the defense out there, we called them Colorado State or Stanford, you know, and uh, put their, their base look out there. You know, and it, it wasn't like we were getting ready to play them or anything. You know, our all of our folks and intention is set on East Tennessee State, uh, especially now that, you know, we're six days away, you know, clocks counting down to five but um yeah there was there was a little bit of a uh, Colorado State Sanford but that was all fall camp right that I mean yeah game, yeah, game yeah. week you're just going to be what's in front of you I mean right absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely even you know as soon as we're done with practice on Friday it was East Tennessee State that's what's next Columbiano Door says what wide receiver is the best at yards after the catch <laughs> I presume that's on your team. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, of course. <laughs> but it's a yeah. It's a funny question. Uh, I I don't like picking favorites, and I, I that's not the question. So I'm glad. But um, uh, yards after catch. You know, it's it's hard to think. You know, I think of uh, a couple great runs that uh, Chris Pierce had after you know catches. I, I obviously the one that sticks out in my mind is a. Uh, his uh, catch on an inside slant against Florida, you know, having his head pulled back by the Florida defender. I think that's almost like kind of iconic now at this point for him. Um, I've always lived and died by the rule that Cam Johnson will always make the first guy miss. That was something that was told to me by our old uh, quarterback assistant, Coach Q. Um, and for the most, <laughs> for the most part, uh, it has always held true. And, um, I think a big part of what I did last year was, you know, like quick little access throws, like the defense is playing soft to get Cam the ball on a hitch or a slant or a bubble, you know, or something like that and uh, go let him work. And um, I think a lot of my yards came from uh, just doing that. I think Cam at one point during the season had like the most receptions in college football or something. So I think that, you know, that alone can kind of speak volume to, how much I trusted him to go get the yards after catch. But um, I think all of our guys, you know, one guy that wasn't too uh, uh, involved in the team last year uh, was Devin Body. He um, he was dealing with a lot of, like, COVID stuff. I think he got quarantined, like, four separate times, which absolutely sucks. But uh, he's actually been having a really solid performance in uh, fall camp. And uh, I'm really, you know, excited to see what he can do. Um, and, you know, the usual guys that are making plays like uh, CP, uh, Amir, uh, and obviously, you know, Cam, like I talked about, um, those guys obviously really good at running the ball. And uh, I'm excited to see Will Shepard. Uh, I know he's been getting a lot of love and uh, some hype in the in the press about his uh, spring performance in fall camp. Um, but I think he's going to be a really good player, too, which I don't understand why we didn't use him more last year, um, even against uh, Florida. He went in for a play, and um, it was a. We got Florida to jump off sides, and I uh, threw him, kind of just like a jump ball, you know, 50-50 free play kind of deal. And um, Florida defenders like hanging all over him, like past interference. And like one hand snags it, and then he gets pulled out for the next play. Like he's out after that, and I don't know if he even got in the game <laughs> since then. 
but uh, I was I was I always wondered why he didn't play more. So it'll be really interesting to see him play this year, and uh, I'm I'm excited because I think he's a good young player too that we're gonna have. So we definitely got some guys that can tote the rock, and uh, I obviously have confidence in all of them to carry it. Now, was Will lighting it up in practice last year too? Not, I mean, it's it was it was so weird because I don't know. Like I, I remember Coach Fitch talked to him like whenever we'd be in the QB room watching film on practice. You know, he'd point out Will. He's like that guy's that guy can be special. Like he's got like he's got twitch. Like he runs good routes. You know, and things like that. But um, it wasn't like he was putting him in the game ever. Uh, I think he was solid during practice, but it wasn't like. You know, we we didn't think he was on like CP's level or you know any of the older guys that you know were kind of my main targets last season. Um, but you know, it's I feel like his role uh, has kind of changed a little bit um, from last season to this season, especially you know in just his um, uh, targets in practice too. I think that's taken a jump. You know, coach is telling us to see what he can do, get the ball in his hands. So it'll it'll be interesting. Um, but, yeah, that, it definitely has been a little bit different since last year. Columbiano Door wants to know which of your receivers has the fastest go route. The fastest go route. Oh, my gosh. I probably hear this argument in the locker room probably like twice weekly. Um, <laughs> I'm about to get you in trouble, aren't I? I know, yeah. They, <laughs> they go at it. I think it's, uh, kind of a dark horse for this uh, this race would be Logan Kyle. And everyone in the receiver room can agree Logan's fast. Like that, Logan has straight line speed. And for being a white guy and one of two <laughs> in the receivers room, you know he uh, he represents well <laughs> for the white boys. He uh, he can take off. And a lot of times, I think that's where the uh, the debate goes as to Logan. But uh, Will Will likes to put up a pretty strong uh, case for himself. Another one too. Another one is. Uh, uh, G, uh, oh man, Jamarian. Uh, yeah, Gamarian, Gamarian Carter. Um, he, that dude can fly too. I hope, I hope I can see him a little bit during the season because I'm excited about what he's going to be able to do in the future. He, he's honestly like whenever I'm just throwing routes, he feels like you know I'm not, I don't have like a speed gun or anything on him, but he feels like he's running the fastest, and that's you know just from my perspective. Um, which is, you know, being a freshman, I think, you know, it says a lot. When I watch practice, it looks to me like you guys have eight or nine receivers who can play a little bit. Yeah, I know the receivers talk about, you know, I don't I don't know what a typical roster holds. Um, I know the guys on our team feel like the, the load that they have to carry sometimes in practice is uh, a lot. So I, I do think they wish the, they had some more to roll in for them. Columbia Auto Door with a couple more. Um, he asked, "Do you expect a similar run pass balance to last year?" And he was feeling very inquisitive. <laughs> he was, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm honestly not sure. I think um, I think the aggressiveness of the offense and the play calling will kind of be similar. Um, obviously. It's a it's kind of like a different system now with Coach Rye uh, coming you know from NFL to college. I think NFL was more like run play action heavy, so I I kind of expect to feel like the run game is going to be important. 
but I think he's going to want to try and incorporate some college football aspects to our offense and uh, our scheme. So I'm not really sure. I think um, as far as like the load and practice, it feels very similar. Um, but I guess looking strictly at the numbers, I, I haven't yet. So uh, that'll be interesting to find out. But I, I expect it to be something close at least. All right, last one from Columbia Out on Door here. He wants to know <laughs> <laughs> what your 40 time is. My 40 time? Why, do you, why does this matter? You don't need to know this. Dual <laughs> threat? I'm a, I stay in the pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, and I'm working on that. <laughs> I don't want to be a sitting duck back there. But, you know, definitely not You know, trying to emulate Tom Brady in that aspect at all. I think my fastest... Uh, you'd have to look on my two four seven to verify me, but I think it the uh, what what's it called the opening the Nike opening. I think I ran like a four eight nine or four eight six on a, on a laser, which was a verified time. Um, that was probably the fastest I've ever moved in my life. So I don't know if I'm touching four sevens yet. I think you know obviously whenever I go to the combine, which you know obviously it's a goal of mine. Uh, I want to be running somewhere around four seven. I feel like four seven solid. Um, and you know, if I start now working on my forty time four six, I think could be obviously really good for a quarterback. Mike Wright's the fastest kid on the team, isn't he? You know that that's another debate, but I think everyone gives it to him. I think I think Mike is. I remember whenever we got here, um, it was after we had got back from the, our COVID vacation in the summer, um, we were on, what's it called? It's called like a love, love, love Grove or pleasant park, something, something right around here. We, uh, we weren't allowed to throw up at the facility. So we had to go so, to some baseball field close by and, uh, it was the quarterbacks and receivers and, uh, they were all talking about who's the fastest and they lined up. Uh, I don't know who came in second or third or anything like that. I don't, I know they got some sort of like video finish and, there was different excuses as to why guys came in different places, you know, or whatever. But I know Mike finished first, so I think I think he is the fastest. Now, does his brother put up an argument? <coughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Honestly, I think I think Mike has envy too. Yeah, Mike Mike can just flat out fly. Yeah, he's he's a freak, and from what I've heard from him running track in high school, like. He, he could run then, too. Yeah. Well, what are the things that you guys argue about? Because football players by nature, you're a competitive bunch. So what are the things that you guys bicker about <laughs> in the locker room and in <laughs> dorms and things like that? Yeah. Honestly, it's like a lot of basketball, too. They talk really? About a lot of, yeah. Uh, a lot of guys will, like, talk about different teams, especially, you know, whenever the finals are going on, like, Dudes from like Milwaukee were just getting clowned. Yeah, we don't have you know a couple. We have a, I think a couple guys that were like Bucks fans or whatever. Um, but you know everyone has their own opinion about it. Honestly, for me personally, I never got you know into any other sport other than football. I didn't really watch professional basketball, professional baseball. Honestly, it took me a while to even watch college football. I, I didn't really start watching college football until my junior year of high school. And that was only because I knew some of the teams that were playing because they're talking to me, which made it kind of interesting. But I was always just an NFL kid. I, I loved the Cowboys. I, you know, I never really cheered for any other team. But, yeah, a lot of guys talk basketball. Um, 
they'll talk about who's the fastest at uh, whatever position. Uh, not really on the whole team, but um, uh, yeah, I'd say basketball. Now, now, who on the team has got legit talent in another sport? Um, okay, this is the most shocking one, and I, this is I, I've never seen him play, but totally catches me off guard. Gavin Schoenwald claims he is the best basketball player on the team. And apparently whenever he was in like, I don't want to get this wrong, but <laughs> apparently he said whenever he was in like sixth grade, he was like the number one rated overall basketball player in the country. And that wow. just blows. I don't think about Gavin being good at basketball at all, especially when he talked about who's the best on the team. But apparently Gavin can flat out play and they, they go out and play sometimes. Uh, I know whenever the guys are out there and, you know, they are texting the group chat like, hey, who wants to go play? And, you know, they start you know, getting competitive and talking trash. It's like uh, Cam Johnson, CP, Will Shepard, those guys, they're all um, Chase Lloyd. Um, they, uh, they, yeah, they all they all play basketball pretty competitively. I think I think Cam Johnson is actually really good, too. Um, and I think obviously CP can like dunk and stuff and you know, other other things like that. But. Gavin Schoenwald is a dark horse for one of the best basketball players on the team. Yeah, I saw Cam play in high school locally. Oh, really? Yeah. See, he can't. Cam and Gavin and Darius Garland all went to school together just around the corner at Brentwood Academy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I knew all those kids in high school. And I think Gavin, I don't think Gavin played as a senior because he had a shoulder injury. So I, I can't weigh in on that. Can't, no, Cam yeah. could play a little bit for sure. Interesting. <laughs> I wonder. Wow. Uh, that would have been really cool if you could have kind of got to compare them. I would have that. liked to. No, no, I think Cam will tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> the three of them are like best buddies, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's. I mean, he's told me before, like, Gavin, you know, and, and too, I've, I've been talking to Gavin about his playing days at quarterback at BA, too. Yeah, he was good. Uh, he was good. I saw, him play, I saw him play. I saw them win the state championship in high school. Gavin was the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's so weird. I, I was talking to Cam. I was like, it's just like such a strange concept for me to think about all of your senior year stats coming from Gavin. Like Gavin was throwing the pass. Like that's just so weird to think about. Yeah, th th those guys were inseparable in high school. So <laughs> that is awesome. Um, cool. Gosh, there was a follow up question here. And I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, I know what it was. Can you dunk a basketball? Oh, my gosh. Why would you ask me that? <laughs> because it's a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think I can dunk a basketball. No. <laughs> I have about a 20, 27 inch vertical, which is shameful. I, it's shameful, and I'm embarrassed by my lack of jumping <laughs> ability. But being six foot three, you think I'd you know would obviously it'd be a no answer or no no question that I could dunk, but. I've never dunked a basketball in my life. <laughs> now, now, who on your team can throw one down? You said Pierce can. Oh, yeah. CP. I think about, you know, all the taller guys like uh, Will Shepard, I know, can. Logan Kyle can. Um, I don't know about shorter guys. I, whether Cam can or not, I have no idea. Uh, I, I need to ask him next time I see him, though, because if he can, that would be really impressive. Cam, Cam is a really good athlete. Yeah. Really yeah. good. I, I'd love to see if he can or not. I have no idea. Now, are any of you guys into golf? <laughs> we went golfing a couple times, but um, 
you know, there some of us are, some of us aren't. I say Ben Bresnahan is like a semi-professional, very competitive and serious golfer. Him, Jeremy Musa, those guys, they'll go out and golf anytime you ask them to. They absolutely love it. They got, you know, the clubs, the gloves, you know, the whole the whole setup. So they, they love to golf. I don't want to put you on the spot here, um, but because I don't know what you can talk about in terms of, of kids who are committed or not committed. But there's one kid who's committed to you guys right now, um, and he's listed at 5'8", and I've seen video of him on, on the internet just throwing him down on the basketball court. So mm. that, that might be a little topic of conversation uh, once he gets to campus. So Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – and they weren't cheap either. Uh, it's not often you see a kid who's 5'8 um, yeah. really throw one down, but this guy can. So that that, wow. that might make the locker room a little bit more interesting next year. Yeah, I think whenever they go out and play basketball, they'll definitely make sure that he's out there. They, they get competitive from what I've heard. I've actually never participated in one of their pickup games, but from what I've heard, they get pretty competitive with each other. Vandy Nash asks... Um, when a quarterback has serious velocity, thinking Favre, Cutler, Elway, is that speed mostly coming from the hip, arm, or legs? And how do you work on that versus, or how much do you work on that versus accuracy? So I guess this is just kind of like, you know, asking how you improve like your hip speed, like your pretty much your whole throwing motion, like how how you can quicken it. Yeah, he, well, he wants to know basically when when you can really sling it, where's that? Where's the power coming from? Is it your arm? Is it your legs? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. I think um, I've always been told it's all like in your legs and in your core. Like core strength is where the majority of like your your throw can, because if you have a weak core, it doesn't matter how much power you put into the ground. Like your core won't be able to transfer all of that power to your upper body. Because uh, everything goes through there. And obviously, you know, you can say it goes through your arm, too. But your arm is really just a lever. Like, you know, whether you got long arms or short arms kind of depends on how how hard you can throw it, really. Uh, guys that, you know, are obviously taller and longer, they'll have longer arms. And so that's kind of helps them throw the ball a little bit harder um, just because they have longer arms. You know, I think back to whenever I was in, you know, I played discus in high school. And the guys that could always throw discus is the, the farthest were the dudes that were the longest. You know, they had those long levers. So uh, I think, obviously, having the core strength to be able to uh, transfer the power that you create from the ground, but also, like, you know, leg strength is really important. Like, driving off your back foot, um, uh, creating – that's where you get your throw started is from the ground. Um, and tricep, too. I think, you know, whenever I was little, my quarterback coach, Ryan Roberts, he had us do, like, 50 tricep push-ups like, during our one-hour workout, like just drop down, like give me 10, like pop back up and then throw a football. So I think tricep strength is, you know, and you think about like the throwing motion, like kind of the almost tomahawk choppish motion, like at the end of the throw and like right before you let it go. I think um, that's where a lot of guys get, you know, especially guys that can throw it far and it doesn't look like they finish their shoulder all the way through. Um you know, a lot of their power comes from their tricep and just having, like, really strong arms in general. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, – but really, you know, being long, being long always helps throwing a football. Have you met Jay Cutler before? No, I have not. And 
I've heard Coach Lee talk about and wants to me uh, trying to get him up here or something. Um, I think he has a little bit of scar tissue from his playing days. So I'm uh, in that, maybe not from Vanderbilt, but in the NFL too. But no, I've never been able to meet him. I'd, I'd really like to. So I know he's he just started a podcast. I'm following his uh, new Twitter account. So he, he's a kind of a comedic guy. So uh, he seems like an interesting character to me. Now that guy could play some basketball too. Oh really? Oh yeah. He he might have been the best. I, I think he would give anybody a run for the money on on the current team. Probably. Yeah. Wow. I would not have guessed that yeah. either. Yeah. He was a great athlete. Um, wow. Yeah. really slacking it sounds like <laughs> yeah yeah he he was he was something else let's see a couple more and i'll get you out of here uh view matt 23 says if you could add one nfl player to the current offense who would it be oh man um one player that i'm assuming probably not quarterback <laughs> uh i might have to go obviously uh ooh. I'm really thinking about this. I don't know if I'd want um, a receiver or like Derrick Henry or like an offensive lineman. Honestly, I think just because I'd want to experience that, I'd love to play with Julio Jones. I think that would be like considering him one of the greatest of all time at his position and just his sheer playmaking ability. I think that guy would be awesome to play with on the team. Now, I saw there were photos of some of the Titans, I think, on your campus working out at some point this summer. Did you get to meet yeah. any of those guys? Yeah, so they uh, we were actually having, like, I can't remember what. It was It was like our off-season workout, and afterwards we had a player-run practice or something, and uh, whenever we wrapped up, we saw that there was a couple guys, like, throwing the football around on the grass field, on the grass practice field, kind of right next to the turf field. And uh, we look over there, and we're like, who are those guys? We walk over there. It's Ryan Tannehill, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown. And we're just like, what in the we? So we just watch them, like, work out. And they come over to us. They're like, are y'all done with the turf field? And then we're like, uh, yeah. And then they just walk right past us and start throwing on the turf field. And there's, like, 30 guys sitting on the sidelines just watching them, getting the throwing workout in. And uh, whenever they were done, you know, I, I went up to Tannehill and – started talking to him and after i went up to tan hill everyone kind of you know walked up there and yeah i was kind of disappointed because you know no one wanted to go and then whenever i went everyone decides oh it's okay to go there <laughs> but um they were really cool tana hill had to get out of there which you know obviously is understandable they had about 30 guys about to talk to him so if he had someone to go we were about to hold him up but uh aj brown and julio all stayed back and uh they were you know, talked to everyone there, took pictures with whoever wanted them. Uh, it was really cool. And those guys were really cool to us. And uh, it was really, yeah, just an awesome experience to get to meet them, especially, you know, on our field. Last one from Dusty Orleans. Who is your favorite NFL quarterback, past or present? Um, so the number eight that I wear now, came from Troy Aikman and whether that was my fantasy or my dad's <laughs> I'm, I don't, I'm not sure uh, obviously my dad is more relevant to the time period that he played in um, I don't think I am at all <laughs> uh, 
so he kind of put me on uh, the love for Troy Aikman, obviously being you know, a cowboy, Dallas Cowboy kid. Um, favorite quarterback, though, I really loved Roger Staubach uh, growing up. My, that's kind of like my dad's hero. I got to meet him once, and I've never seen my dad act so giddy. <laughs> it, was, it was really funny. It was, I, don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was almost like, my dad was like more excited to meet Roger Staubach than I was. It was it was really funny encounter, and um, I got a picture with Roger, which is really cool. Um, Tony Romo too. I think you know that's the quarterback that I watched the most growing up, and you know everyone you know, gave Tony Romo a bunch of crap about you know, not being clutch or whatever. But I think you know with the guys that he had and the team he had to work with. I think he was a really good quarterback and definitely one of the most underappreciated of his time and probably almost all time. Um, but I think, you know, of all those guys that I've talked about, I think the one that I've kind of would want to model my game after the most, and I know this isn't the question, but it's kind of where my mind takes it, would probably be like Aaron Rodgers. I think his playmaking ability, um, the ability to extend plays, almost like, know Russell Wilson does um but like more like a vintage Aaron Rodgers I think you know his completion percentage outside the pocket too is something that as a quarterback you always want to have as a weapon so if I were to model my game and I know I'm probably not Aaron Rodgers back there in the pocket um but you know if I were to imagine myself being a quarterback and wish to be wanted probably be Aaron Rodgers so are you a, a big Cowboys fan, or do you have time for that, really? <laughs> you know, I, I'm watching Hard Knocks right now. I watched all the preseason games. It's been a very disappointing preseason. You know, I know it's not all about winning right now, but you like to like to see the boys win one, you know. But um, last time we went, you know, winless in the preseason, we went 12-4. and four, So you never know. I'm looking forward to a good season. But, yes, I actually – I'm sitting down right now on a Dallas Cowboys blanket on my couch. So I, I consider myself a pretty big Cowboys fan. And my dad's, you know, five times bigger than I am. He, whenever, you know, he was growing up, especially, you know, the Cowboys were good in the 90s and stuff. He got, you know, signatures from Staubach, Tom Landry, uh, game-worn, like a piece of the game-worn jersey of Emmett Smith whenever he broke the rushing record. My dad was actually at the game, and he has the tickets framed um, when him and my mom went to the game where Emmett broke the rushing record. Um, we got pictures with a bunch of bunch of famous Cowboy players. Uh, we got Aikman. Um, I got a message literally like signed out to me. It's like, to Ken uh, from Drew Pearson, and my, hanging up in my room too. So there, we got a lot of like Cowboy stuff that I've always grown up with, and. Uh, uh, yeah, my dad's a, obviously put me on the cowboy bandwagon. Not bandwagon, not bandwagon, the cowboy train. But, um, uh, yeah, we've, we've always watched him, and I've loved him ever since I was little. Now, are a lot of guys on your team passionate about particular NFL teams? And if so, is, is there anybody, like, on the team that's an Eagles fan or a Washington fan or anybody there where you've got a little rivalry with in terms of their <laughs> NFL team? There's a couple guys that I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you exactly I can't remember but there's a couple guys that I remember being <laughs> Redskins fans but um uh, I honestly can't remember uh, it's uh it, it's hard to think of I think 
guys are more honestly passionate about basketball than they are about NFL football. Do you guys have time to sit down and watch an NFL game uh, during the season much anyway? Um, maybe if it's like a big time game. Um, I'm not sure. It's uh, obviously different last year, I guess, with our whole like social distance policy. We weren't allowed to obviously hang out with each other outside of our uh, facility. So it was it was very different when it comes to the rules. But um, I, I probably I think so. We're going to have, uh, I think, Sundays off when it comes to the season. So hopefully we can get a couple watch parties going and watch some NFL games. That's a it's actually a good idea. I might, might try and start that. Well, hey, I've, I've kept you a while tonight. That was just the conversation <laughs> that kept on going. But I, I thought we got to some fun stuff. And yeah. I know people always want to know what it's really like behind the scenes. So hopefully I think they got some of that tonight. Ken, I want to wish you the very best of luck next week when you guys face ETSU. Uh, we will, of course, do a show after that. We'll probably do these on Sunday nights. We've talked about moving them to Mondays. Uh, but in either case, the, the podcast during the season will be out early in the week. And before we leave, give folks, uh, well, tell them where they can follow you on social media, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, or whatever it is you want to give out. Yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's uh, at Ken Seals QB. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, too, uh, at Ken underscore Seals 8. Um, but, yeah, I appreciate it. It's going to be a fun week of preparation. And uh, it's weird to think next time I'll be talking to you is going to be after an ETSU game. So uh, it'll be fun. It's a, a lot's going to happen this week, and uh, I can't wait to talk about it next time. Yeah, we will look forward to that. Ken, thanks again, and we'll, we'll check in with you next week. Yep, thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.